Hey there, special educator. Before we dive into today's episode, I have something exciting to share with you. If you've ever struggled with writing impact statements for your IEPs, and let's be honest here, what special educator hasn't found themselves at some point staring at a blank box and a blinking cursor wondering what in the world to type? My free guide is just what you need to get those brain juices flowing. Introducing Impact Statement Mastery, your step-by-step guide to writing personalized IEPs. This free guide is designed to help you craft impactful, personalized statements with ease. You'll get expert tips and strategies, easy-to-follow formats, and real-life examples that bring theory to life. It's absolutely free and a must-have for every special education teacher and related service provider. To get your copy, just visit www.spedprepacademy.com slash impact statements, or check the link in the episode description. Now let's get started with today's episode. You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Sped Prep Academy podcast In today's episode, we'll be discussing the importance of inclusion and accommodations in middle school math, but I know that these tips can be beneficial at any level. Our guest today is Johanna Kuyper, a middle school math teacher from Oregon who is on a mission to engage students academically and help them deeply understand and love math. We'll be exploring different types of accommodations, such as instructional accommodations, seating and assessment, and how these accommodations can provide insight into how each student learns best. We'll also be discussing how to work collaboratively between special education and general education teachers or paraprofessionals who provide inclusion services and the supports that general education teachers need to understand each student's unique needs. Johanna will be sharing her experiences and insights on common challenges faced with providing accommodations, including keeping track of and implementing accommodations or modifications for students on IEPs. So let's get to the show. Well, hi there, Johanna. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I've been looking forward to our conversation to talk about accommodating students in the general education classroom. But before we get started, would you share a little bit about who you are and your experience in education? Absolutely. So I am Johanna Kuyper. I am a math eight teacher in the Pacific Northwest, and I've been teaching for five years now. And our school integrates all students into the same classes. We have like one, I think we call it life skills class, but the rest of them are all mainstreamed or all included in the rest of the classes. So I've had lots of experience working with students on all areas. And it's something that I definitely, I love teaching and I love teaching math specifically. It's something that I understand in a way that not everyone loves math, but I want to bring that joy to the math classroom and show people how fun and exciting it truly can be. And when students see those connections it creates like magical light bulb moments that just can transform their confidence in math. And I see it having a lasting effect for students. And that is why I am in the math education world. Well, that's really, my daughters are both math minded and I'm not really. So it's kind of refreshing to hear that there's other people out there that 
you know, love math and want to actually teach it. And it's funny, I had a conversation with a lady from from Australia the other day, and she was talking about how her son has special needs, and they are completely um, non-mainstreamed. Like, they have different buildings, completely separate programs from the general education students. So I guess it's refreshing, again, to hear that you are working with students who have special needs. They're coming into your classroom. You're providing the accommodations and the modifications that they need within your room. So that's where we're going to, you know, put our focus today. We connected on Facebook and we talked about the importance of special education staff and general education staff working collaboratively to Mm -hmm. provide accommodations to students who are served in the inclusion classroom. I know as special education teachers, we're the ones writing those IEPs and it's, it's our hope that the general education teachers are included in those conversations and that you're getting to put your input into what um, accommodations you're providing. So can you talk to me about the importance of carrying those out once those students are in your classroom? Sure. So the way I view accommodations is every student has a unique path on which they learn best. And students with special needs tend to have maybe some more unique pathways than a student who does not have special needs. And as a teacher, whether a student has special needs or doesn't have special needs, our goal is to help them be successful in the math classroom. And those accommodations are maybe the proven strategies or strategies that have worked for that student over the course of them being in school. Especially when I get them as an eighth grader, they've been at our school for three years and they've had an established IEP. And so those accommodations have shown to help them better succeed in the math classroom. And so I need to make sure that I'm using those accommodations as the path to make sure that those students have what they need to succeed in the classroom. Yeah, I agree. For many students with disabilities, you know, the key to success is having the appropriate adaptations, the accommodations and modifications made to their instruction and, and other classroom activities. And like I said before, these should be selected as a team. So talk to me about the different types of accommodations that you make in the classroom setting, whether they are specific for just one individual student or they're, you know, what, what you're using as what I'd say, you know, best practices. Mm-hmm. So I, I see them as like three categories of accommodations. Like there's instructional accommodations, there's seating accommodations, and there's accommodations in terms of assessments. And For instructional accommodations, some of the ones that I most often use is like a hundreds chart or multiplication chart or specifically like manipulatives. And the reason I like those is because it takes the guesswork out of things for students. Like they don't have to worry about, am I getting this multiplication fact right? They can focus on building that as a foundation and building off of that. So I really enjoy using that one because it helps relax students and they're not having to fear just the basic things and they can build off of that foundation. And when using manipulatives, it gives a concrete physical thing to help brains work in a more conceptual way. So if we're using what's called algebra tiles, it gives a physical adaptation to solving equations. And that can help students visualize what it means to have x plus three equal five. Like, what does that mean? And so having the physical pieces in front of them allows them to visualize that concept. And so those are kind of the instructional ones that I use. And one of the ones I do, a lot of ones I see on IEPs is preferential seating. And sometimes that's in the front or by the teacher or in the back. And one of the things that I do in my classroom, it's from Building Thinking Classrooms in Mathematics by Peter Liljedahl. And it's about randomizing seating in groups of three or four, depending on the size of your uh, classroom. And 
the way it works is every day students come in and there's at a different group. And one of the questions I get asked most often is, well, how do you accommodate students who have preferential seating? And there are two different ways that I do it. And one is I have a spinner wheel of all the students' names, except for maybe the ones that have the preferential seating. And those just have what I call parked seats. So that means they are always at group eight or always at group one, depending on what their IEP specification is. And that's one way to do it. Another way that I did last year was a deck of cards, and it makes it a little bit more random. And students come to class, they'll pick a card from my hand, and that will be the seat that they're at. Now, you could do the park thing where that student will always be in group nine, but it takes away from that randomness a little bit. So if a student has preferential seating in the front, I have two groups that are in the front. So what I like to do is when I know those students are in my class, I will take the front card. So it'd be the king and queen cards in my hand and kind of have like a separate little pile. And so when that student comes up, they get to pick from that. And so some days they're in the king spot and some days they're in the queen spot. And it just allows them to still be part of the random collaboration we do. And it still follows what their IEP is. Those are really cool ideas. Thank you. And then your third one is dealing with assessment. So what does that look like? Yes. So for assessment, there's a there's two types of assessment. There's like the state ones, and then there's like the ones that I just regularly test my students to see how far they've mastered it. And that's the one I'm going to be talking about. And the way I kind of help, not modify, but accommodate for students who don't have modification on their IEP, but it's just more of accommodating like a a specific learning disability or like reading or whatever it may be. One of the main things I'll do is I'll go on their test and I'll write like sentence frames for them as they're answering questions, or I will walk through and like highlight the numbers with them. And that way they're still part of the process and they're still working through the assessment on their own to see how much they truly have learned. But it's also making sure that they are getting specific guidance on Are you understanding what the question is asking? Maybe if they have like a more reading IEP or if it's writing based, have them verbally answer the questions for me and I would write it down. Or if I have an instructional assistant in the classroom, I'd have them do that with the student. So those are the kinds of accommodations that I might use, as well as going back to the instructional accommodations, the multiplication chart, 100 chart manipulatives. Those are all available to those students during their assessment time. Well, I know as a special education teacher, it is, we're always advocating for the individuality. So I like that these are things that you're using in your classroom that don't have to be so student specific. And they are, they're truly kind of things that can make the students feel included into your classroom. But my question is, what do you say to your colleagues who are, um, they're kind of not wanting to use some of these, like the multiplication chart, for example, when they say, oh, that's just allowing the student to cheat. It's not requiring them to learn the skills that they need. So what do you say when they when you have some naysayers coming at you? My one question to them would be, what is the goal of what you're trying to teach? So for example, we are a standards-based school, meaning that when we teach a standard, that's what their assessment is on. So for example, Pythagorean theorem, trying to find the hypotenuse length of a right angle triangle. The goal for that is to test students on using the Pythagorean theorem in a variety of problems. It's not necessarily testing them on their multiplication facts. So if you're truly trying to test their Pythagorean theorem skills, what's the problem of having them use a multiplication chart? That's not going to give them the, like a a quote-unquote cheat code to being able to do Pythagorean theorem problems. It's just going to allow them to be able to do four squared or whatever the multiplication is in that problem. 
it's not taking away from their learning or them showing mastery in a different way. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I agree. It's not taking away from their learning because they're they're able to go deeper into math because they're not having to focus on those, you know, those multiplication facts that they don't know. And I I'm completely for students learning their facts, but if if it's something that's holding them up from getting deeper into math, I'm totally I'm right along there with you. Give them that multiplication chart, give them that calculator and let them go because you know, in the real world, they're going to have that phone with them all the time. They're going to have a calculator with them at all times. So just teaching them the skills that they need to know for life is so much more important than making sure that they can multiply and divide. So agreed. Yes. So how do you work collaboratively with the special education staff whenever um, you have them coming into your classroom or you have paraprofessionals coming into your classroom? How do you kind of um, work together to make sure that those accommodations are happening? One of the ways that the they help me. I know for me, the way they help is they will take all of the IEPs for the students that I have and they will just chunk out the accommodations piece. And at the beginning of the term, they just list out all of the accommodations for students. And that has probably been the number one most beneficial thing that they have done for me because it allows me not to go through a like a 15 page document for all of my students who have IEPs and making sure that I'm accommodating each of them the way that they need me to. And just having it in one place allows me to check real quick and see like which students would need a multiplication chart or which students need the manipulatives for the assessment rather than having to like either remember in my head or go through their IEP every time before an assessment. So that's one way. Another way is collaborating on their learning goals. So I, for students who have the life skills class, meaning they're mostly in that class and they'll come to my class for just one period, but the rest of the time they're in the life skills class collaborating on the learning goals. I see them for math. And so I know them best when it comes to math, but for everything else, that's not necessarily something I'm seeing. And so having them give me insight into how students are with like reading or writing is really beneficial or how they're working with critical thinking skills or anything else, just being open to listening to them because they have the expertise on that student more so than I do. You know, I feel like we give those snapshots to our teachers at the beginning of the year. And I don't know if I'm just naive, but I, I think that, you know, they take them back to their classroom and they read through them <laughs> and they they memorize them. And I don't know that it's ever kind of really clicked that you just all you really want is a quick little snapshot of their goals, their levels of their present levels of performance and their accommodations and modifications. That's all that you really need. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, that's what I need. Great. Well, I, I have a TPT store, so that sounds like a perfect um, product that I could put into my store to provide to general education teachers. So I'm I'm glad to have collaborated with you and to you know hear what you need as a general education teacher versus what I think you need as a special education teacher. So what are the what are some of the common challenges that you faced when providing the accommodations? I think one of them is the remembering piece. While we still get that like snapshot at the beginning of the year, it lists out every student that we have and it can be challenging to go through all of them and see where it is. So kind of the solution to that is one of our general education teachers came up with this is kind of like a quick hand format to see what students have or what accommodations that they need. And so they made like a little legend of emojis. And so the document has like two columns. It has like the student's initials and their student ID number. And then it has like the emojis that represent what accommodations they need. And so like if it's that they need notes, it's like a little piece of paper. Or if it's manipulatives, it's like the building blocks. And so it's like a more visual and easier way to digest what 
those students need per class period rather than like all the students I have in alphabetical order. It's like I can create this for my students of this class period. I have six kids on IEPs. These are the accommodations that I need to be doing. And say they need like guided notes or they need me to print out the notes beforehand rather than writing in their notebooks. I can see like, oh, okay, I need to print three for this class period, two for the next one, et cetera. So remembering is a challenge, but that's kind of been the solution that that one teacher at our school came up with that has been amazing and super helpful. Um, one of the other ones is kind of the difference between accommodations and modifications, because we have students who are on modified diplomas and some who are just modified in the classroom. And so sometimes it comes it becomes like blurry of how much do I modify something rather than accommodate students? And so it's going back on me of like, I need to go and clarify with their case manager, that's the word, their case manager on what does it mean for me to be in the classroom and help this student? Like, what do I need to do? And so it becomes more of like my task to go and do that rather than have the clarity up front. And as a general education teacher, I already have a lot on my plate. I serve 140 students. And so Every time I need clarification, it can be a lot for me to go find the case manager since we have so many different case managers for our students. Well, I've, first off, I love that emoji thing. And in my brain, I'm thinking how cool it is, not just because it's easy for you to explain, but it also provides some um, confidentiality. So you're not just having a list of the student and they're you know listed out their accommodations for other kids to see or other teachers to see, but you're you're having some, you know, code that it's just easy for you to look at and and know exactly what to provide. And one of the other challenges is providing resources for our students. I don't have access to a lot of things like the resources to get like fidget toys or to get certain manipulatives. And so that's one challenge I face is like I could see this manipulative being extremely helpful for this particular student, but I don't have the resources to go get that for me. And so again, it comes back to, I need to find someone in my building to collaborate with and get that ball rolling. And fidget toys is another really big one, like a sensory tool. And maybe I don't know which one a student needs, wants or needs or whatever works best for them. And so that's another thing of going to a case manager or finding someone who can provide that fidget toy or sensory tool for my students. Well, I feel like knowing those challenges is a, is going to be beneficial for special education teachers to, I think, kind of generalize this across the board of what um, what struggles you guys are having. And that gives us some ideas of how we can actually help you. Well, Johanna, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And, you know, sharing your knowledge with us and reminding us that help carrying out the IEPs in, in their entirety is often you know, not not just one person's job. You know, we have to work together as a team and we have to be able to um, trust each other and follow through on the accommodations that are written in there. So I, I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. I, it has been very exciting to be here. And thank you for asking me to be a guest on your show. Well, before we go, why don't you share how and where we can find you on the online space and learn more from you? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Miss Kuiper. That's K-U-I-P-E-R. I do a lot of my talking and sharing there. Other ways you can find me is I have a podcast called Solving for the Undefined, and that's for math teachers and how to engage students academically to help them deeply understand and love math. And additionally, I have a free resource for you that is called the seven math teacher must-haves for student success. And it's a guide on the materials and resources that you can be using in your classroom to help further engagement and to help students, again, deeply understand and love math and just build that confidence in them. Wow. Well, I will link 
that I'll link all of those in the show notes. And definitely, if you are needing some extra support in the area of math at the middle school level, definitely reach out and get that resource. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love it if you'd head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.